Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. Today we're looking at the future of heat pumps, particularly in the UK market. And it's very timely to be doing that. We're in the middle of a terrible energy crisis in Europe. Uh, We're reliant on a lot of gas coming from Russia and we need to reduce our carbon emissions. Uh, Heat pumps aren't the only way to do that. Hydrogen might be a way to do part of that, but heat pumps will be a big way to do a big part of that in the next years. And that's um, very much so the case for the UK. The UK has got, the, got Europe's biggest gas boiler market. Uh, gas reaches about 90% of homes. Most of those homes have a gas boiler. Uh, heat pumps have only reached tens of thousands of sales a year compared to uh, 1.5, 1.6 million or so gas boilers a year. So we need a huge transition in the UK, a lot of growth in heat pumps. And today I'm lucky enough to be talking with one of the UK's biggest energy retailers about their plans and activity with heat pumps, uh, together as always with a Delta EE expert. So let's say hello to our guests. Um, First up, Alex Thwaites from OVO. Hello, Alex. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, Alex, thanks for joining us. Can you give our listeners an elevator pitch for what you do at OVO? And then a few facts and figures about OVO for people that might not know who OVO is. Yeah, of course. So um, Alex Thwaites, I'm head of zero carbon living for OVO Energy in the UK. And what that sort of role encompasses is our EV business, um, anything e-mobility, tariff, EV chargers, uh, public charging. It also includes our decarb of heat strategy, so low carbon heating, air source heat pumps, zero emission boilers, and then also innovation across both heat and um, transport. So anything that helps our members reduce their carbon emissions via home or transport sort of sits in my world, which is is great. And then from an over energy perspective, we're a company that founded in 2009 with a really simple purpose, and that was to make green um, make energy greener, cheaper and simpler. And to give a bit of an idea around sort of size and scale of the business, we're sort of five retail brands. So we've got the Ovo Energy retail business. um, We've got a Calusa intelligent platform along with a couple of other businesses. We've got around four and a half million customers. Um, We've got 11 offices across the country, um, across the world, UK, Australia, France and Spain. Um, We've got about around 9,000 connected devices. Um, across those uh, businesses, about for five proprietary platforms, um, planted nearly two million trees as part of our OVO foundation. So fairly sizable business. Okay. And you've got a big job then because you've got four and a half million customers in the UK that you need to take on a, a low carbon journey, be it with heat or electric vehicles. We do. And, it, and it's really, really exciting. So, And that's exactly how we view it is it's an opportunity to help our members transition to low carbon heat, electric vehicles, and help reduce uh, their energy consumption and ultimately the carbon footprint. Great. Thanks, Alex. Come back to you shortly. Uh, Second guest is Michael Harper, also from OVO. Hello, Michael. Hi, John. 
Uh, Michael, likewise, can you uh, give our listeners a feel for what you do at OVO? Yes, so um, so I'm a data scientist working at OVO Energy, uh, and the areas I mostly focus on are uh, smart thermostats, smart uh, meters, and how we can use that data to help inform this this journey we're trying to take customers on from um, from gas boilers towards heat pumps. And so a lot of my work is looking around the heat pump space and understanding how people are heating their homes. And yeah, my vision, I guess, with this is how we can use data to help people make this this massive transition. Great. And I guess you've got more and more data to play with, if that's the right phrase, and maybe not. Uh, <laughs> smart meter data, uh, smart thermostat data, that's throwing off huge amounts of of data very much so and it's often the case it feels like you have too much data uh, to, to so actually turning all that information into useful insights is i guess where my job comes in yeah great well let's come back to you shortly and find out more about that job um last but not least least my colleague and delta ee expert rox peterson hello rox hi john welcome back to the podcast um Rox, I mentioned in my introduction, um, the UK's got a, a long, long way to go with with heat pumps. We're talking with Ovo Energy, one of the big retailers in, in the UK today. But can you give us a feel for whether energy suppliers, energy retailers have been really engaging with heat pumps much in the past in the UK, or you see that starting to change? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, uh, when there was still quite a lot of uncertainty in the market around what the future would be for heat pumps in the UK, um, there were a couple of energy suppliers who were hedging their bets and establishing their installation capabilities to be the early movers. And then there were a couple who were quite dismissive and said, no, we're just going to focus on installing boilers because that's what we see the future of the market being in the UK. Um, but now that there's a lot more certainty about heat pumps playing a significant role in decarbonizing the UK, I would say all of the major UK energy suppliers and also a lot of the smaller ones are really keen to establish their capabilities here. So they can see which way the wind's blowing and it's blowing yeah, definitely. towards heat pumps. There's no uncertainty anymore. Yeah, well... The UK government's been working on decarbonisation of heat since 2011, I think. So it's had a long time to be driving the market. I don't know, Rox, if you think I'm too harsh in saying it largely hasn't driven the market between then and now. I think that would be fair to say, yeah. Yeah, okay. but uh, Even now, you... it's, there's still quite a bit of uncertainty because... We're yet to make a decision on what role hydrogen will play. So even though we know we want to get moving on, on heat pumps now, it's still not clear whether it's going to be 100% heat pumps eventually or a mix of heat pumps and hydrogen. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Alex, how does that play into OVO's approach with heat? Do you see it as a one-way bet? Do you see the winds have really changed direction? Or what's it like for you in a commercial role? You want to get more heat pumps into homes but you've got a commercial business to run as well we do um and it's a challenging one so to touch on hydrogen i think the way we're viewing is we don't rule hydrogen out but what we're really trying to do at ovo is look at deployable technologies that are available now um, and and heat pumps are 
are available and installable in, in multiple homes now. So I wouldn't say we're putting all our chips in in on one particular product. We're looking at a breadth of low carbon technologies. I think I touched earlier around heat pumps, zero emission boilers, um, not convinced that hydrogen will be deployable at scale in residential homes, but think it's got a place to play in the wider um, industrial industries. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're really looking at what can we do to help our customers and, and, and non-members um, don't necessarily have to be an over energy member for, to, yeah. to buy a low carbon product from us. It's what's available now and what can make a difference now. So that's pretty much where we're playing in the heat pump space. And where are you at today with, well, with heat pumps and heat in, in general? You know, is it all a future business? Uh, what's your existing business and heat like uh, in terms of sort of activity and volumes? Yeah, so we've we've got a couple of different angles on this. So I touched, I think, in the introduction around we've got a couple of different businesses within our, our OVO group. One of those is Corgi Home Heat. Um, so they offer gas installation and um, gas boiler installations and uh, home servicing as part of gas boiler maintenance and servicing packages. So we're we're in that pre-existing gas space. But yeah. then we're also look, future thinking, looking forward to um, low carbon technologies. And we're also in the um, heat pump space. So the strategy we've taken is trying to gain knowledge and expertise in the area through innovation projects so that we can test and learn for longer and make sure we understand what the right processes is, how to get an, an efficient operational business. Um, and one of the big learnings we've taken from that is around the design of heat pumps, making sure that the design is correct. Because when they're designed and installed to a good standard, a heat pump can be incredibly powerful in terms of carbon emission reductions. But when they're not designed correctly, they can also have a negative impact. So it's making sure we've we've not jumped in with both feet and created an operational business where we've got um, less experience than we have in a yeah. in, the gas boiler world it's around making sure we understand what we need to do to get it right and how how long is that test and learn period are you still in it and when did you start it and when do you think you'll come out of it and how many installations are you learning from yeah it's a great question so um we've been in the space since about 2018 through funded innovation projects with partners such as bays innovate uk um, and different local authorities so we're still in that test and learn space right now. We've got three live innovation projects and we've got two in the pipeline that should hopefully go live um, either in Q2 this year or potentially Q3. So we'll probably use 2022 as further learning, make sure we um, understand you know, the practicalities of installs. Um, let the market grow, I think would be fair as well. Um, wait for, for demand to increase so that hopefully by scale, some of those cost efficiencies can come in and reduce the overall cost to the customer. Some some people listening from the heat pump sector might say, four years, you know, heat pumps is a mature technology. Do you need four years of testing and learning? Um what would you what would you say to that? Uh, you know, there's 
there is a lot to get right. But I guess what what have you learned over those four years? And did you think it would be four years when you went into it in 2018? I would say in, in the middle of that, we've had a pandemic. So yes. okay, a, fair point. <laughs> a, a, a couple of our innovation projects, um, one in particular that we're going to talk about today was sort of install phase was delayed by 18 months. Yeah. Um, so I'd say although, yeah, it took four years, you could probably shorten that down to two. And we've, But we've got some great learnings from those projects. We've installed hundreds of air source heat pumps. Um, we've installed ground source heat pumps. We've installed heat batteries. Some of these technologies, specifically around the heat batteries, is, is newer technology than heat pumps. Mm. configuring those to work together um, with all of the different um, schematics and electrical requirements and also plumbing and, uh, and heating expertise that's required to, to get those systems to work efficiently. Um, I think it's been the right decision to use innovation projects to um, smaller scale get it right so that we've designed a, a great customer proposition that we can then launch mass market. Yeah. Yeah, I'd add to that as well. Having gone through the journey of getting a heat pump installed on my own home, I can mirror the the challenges, I think, which we face every time we go into a house to put a heat pump in. And it's not the nicest customer experience, I must say, putting a heat pump in at the moment. There's a lot of detail, a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong. And I think, Alex, you said at the start about kind of trying to bring people along on this energy transition with OVO. It's, it's probably one of the core principles of the business and making that a painless experience is, is, is to me probably the one of the biggest hurdles we still have at the moment with heat pumps. I, I think we've seen in other countries, there's been, uh, I know in France in the last decade, there was a big incentive for heat pumps. The market exploded, but the quality wasn't quite always what it could have been. So then there was a bit of a, a crash after that. And I've seen that in a number of other markets. So yeah, I can really see the the rationale for learning, getting it uh, getting it ready to scale. Because I imagine you want to do this at scale to make a difference. We absolutely do. Um, and again, one of the challenges around at scale is is installers um, and having the right one volume and two quality of installers out in the market. So I think it's um, the heat pump association figures are around from last year about 2300 installers in the uk and by to hit the government target of 600,000 by 2028 we need about 26 and a half thousand so you can see there's huge skills shortage or skills gap there that we need to to help to plug um, and there's certain things in there um, that we need government incentive to help stimulate the market so incentivizing those installers to to take the plunge and upskill from you know their existing gas qualifications up to heat pumps um, there's a an education and awareness piece around the transition from your your tried and tested combi boiler on your wall that you know and and i was gonna say know and love probably don't love your gas boiler but you know it and you're, you're comfortable with it and you know how to turn it on turn it off and, and adjust the temperature etc and um, so there's an educational piece there as well i think um and then some other policy changes, you know, shifting the green levies from the electricity side of the bill to the gas side of the bill. Yeah. Um, trying to encourage customers to 
you know, move away from gas onto electric heating, um, but all of the green levies sit on the electricity side of the bill, or the majority of the green levies. So there's some policy policy changes there, some skill shortage and incentivizing um, installers to, to take that leap um, being there. And also around the skill shortage, the demand as well. You, yeah. you need the demand. It's almost that chicken and egg scenario. You need the demand there to encourage the installers to upskill because they can see long-term visibility of a pipeline of installs coming. Um, but you need the installs to be able to deliver those, uh, the installers to be able to deliver those. So um, it's challenging. What strikes me about that, what you've just said there, Alex, is it's a lot to get right at the same time. You've got to get the number of installers right. You've got to get your experience so it's seamless for the customer or as seamless as possible for the customer, right? You've got to get the demands got to be there and the policy incentives have got to be there. Um, it's a lot of different parts of the jigsaw that need to come together. There is. And, yeah. and the longer awaited heat and building strategy was sort of published last year and that went some way to um, mitigating some of the uh, the challenges that this industry face. I think the boiler upgrade grant when it comes in April will be um, uh, a bit of a catalyst, I, I, I hope, because it's removing some of that upfront cost barrier, which was one of the really big challenges. But then we could, you know, some other financing mechanisms to help customers reduce um, that upfront sort of cost spreading payments over a period of time, more akin to how you would yeah. do with a boiler. Not many people would buy a boiler outright upfront. They'd spread it over three years and that type of financing mechanism to to also help stimulate the market. Yeah. Let's let's have a look at the trial learnings from one of the trials that you've been involved in now. Uh, and then Rox, I'd like to, after that, I'd like to ask you a bit about the, uh, the proposition side and what you see maybe looking outside of the UK about uh, energy retailers getting involved in driving the heat transition. Um, so I know one trial you want to talk about is the Zero Carbon Homes trial. Um, Michael or Alex, would you like to tell us a, a bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, we've got a few trials ongoing. So the Zero Carbon Homes project was funded from the government's Low Carbon Heating Technology Fund, and OVO was awarded this funding back in 2018. Now, the project's been led by OVO, but we've worked closely with our partners at Calusa, who do the Smart Energy Match Management Platform, uh, Mitsubishi's Heat Pumps, and SunAmp have been providing the thermal batteries. Now these technologies, including the SunAmp thermal batteries, as Alex inferred earlier, are all fairly new products, and there's not loads of experience building these complex systems which work together. And that's a lot where this project fits in. But the big challenge they introduce is you get really big peak demands. Um, you know, so morning and evening, you might you might result in too much demand for the grid. So the idea of these heat batteries is looking at whether we can move when you're charging when, when you're using electricity to off-peak times not only does that bring really major benefits to sort of distribution networks but it also allows you to use cheaper electricity and, and ideally lower carbon electricity if you're avoiding hitting those peak hours um, yeah because i guess gas you can squish in the gas pipes and store it in the gas pipes <laughs> for those few hours in the morning when the gas boilers are all firing electricity you can't do the same thing Exactly. Yeah, there's no real time of use incentive for a gas yeah. system. It, you can, yeah. can store it and use it whenever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, what's that been like? Uh, heat <clears throat> batteries. These are phase change material batteries. 
Yes, yes. yes. They're um, Sunamp um, face change batteries. Yeah. So what, what have you learned through that process? It's, it's re- as you say, relatively new technology. Uh, tell us a bit about what that's been like. So we've managed to put in 12 of these systems, and there's been two types of systems we've put in. One where we've paired the thermal battery with a heat pump, and the other one is just putting a thermal battery in and charging this via a typical immersion heater. There's been loads, I think, we've learned from this project, especially around the installation side. And on on my side as well, the data science, we're definitely getting some really interesting insights coming out of these systems. But I think the the big one I would really take away from this project has been that installation and the need for space to fit this storage. I think just to give an example uh, for some of the properties as for one bedroom flats, asking them to have space for a, a battery which is the size of a, a washing machine uh, is actually quite a challenge. And this actually ruled out a lot of properties in our search for sort of trial houses. So where, where, what sort of places was it going? Was it going in kitchens or utility rooms or on the balcony of the flat even? Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting one with the thermal battery only. So the demand that they could meet were more akin to a one or two bed flat. Right. But, and we had lots of interest from, from um, homeowners in one and two bed flats. But when we went to do the technical surveys, the available... Um, free space in those one or two bed flats was really, really limited. So the majority of them had a combi boiler on the wall. Um, These units are floor standing. So as you can imagine, and it was normally a couple of units required, so you'd stack one on top of the other. There's not that many one or two bed flats with available space to put two two washing machine size units in. So the, um, the interest was there and we generated lots of interest. Um, but yeah, trying to actually find the properties that had viable space for that, um, where space is a premium in, in yeah. smaller flats, was that was a challenge. So yeah, one of the big learnings. And then also around the high install costs. So um, these systems don't come that cheap. Um, and obviously with newer technology, it's, the hardware is normally more expensive. So we would expect that to come down as we start to scale, which is, again, another really positive point of being able to use innovation projects um, to trial these, these different technologies. Yeah. Uh, and the customers or the homeowners were, were getting, you know, £15,000 worth of um, technology installed into their homes. So that's a real positive. I can see how the cost will come down, but in terms of space and target properties, do you think the conclusion there is probably not one and two bed flats for now, but focusing on larger homes? Or can you see ways to get around the space challenge? You go for it, Alex. <laughs> I was just waiting to see if you were going to jump in. I think it's probably a little bit too early um, for us to identify whether we'd rule properties out or not. And yeah. also, with with especially the, the heat batteries being slightly newer technologies, it's is there an opportunity to reduce the size so that they'd be more applicable to smaller properties? Um, so I think there's lots of innovation that can happen in this space because what we definitely don't want to do is leave anybody behind, right? So yeah. we don't want to be leaving um, demographics or property types. And that's why we're trying to look at a breadth of low carbon technologies so that 
we absolutely know heat pumps will be suitable for lots and lots of properties in the UK, but they'll also not be suitable for lots of properties in the UK for a number of reasons. Yeah. Space requirements, noise restrictions. Um, so we've got to look at other low carbon technologies so that we've got um, propositions and products that can support everybody and every household in the UK um, and not just specific ones where a product fits. So I think there's this is a, another real um, bonus of innovation projects because we can do them funded at cost. And so, you know, customers don't have to have a big outlay to trial these products. Um, and it gives us really good opportunity to test and learn and iterate and um, look at different products and, and not leave anybody behind. Yeah. yeah if, if you don't mind me adding as well, I think a really interesting part around these systems is not only the technology you're trying to put in, but also when you're doing it. Or is it a house which is fully fitted, has a working gas boiler? Or is it? do they have a chance to think about a deeper retrofit? And this is actually something I did in my own home. We didn't have a space for a hot water tank in the old layout of the house, but we we did a sort of uh, retrofit of the old utility room, put a cabinet in, and suddenly putting a heat pump in was no longer a big challenge. But had I not been in a position to do that change, it would have been quite a, quite a lot of upheaval, I'd say, trying to find somewhere else for that hot water tank. So with the challenge for these kind of innovation projects, you're walking into fully furnished houses who've already got their kitchen done up quite nicely. You're going to struggle to find sometimes that extra space. So I'm, 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 I'm optimistic about systems like these fitting in more homes, but the question is about that education piece, making sure people are aware of uh, the options available well ahead of time um, and, yeah, and using data to help that. Sorry, I have to talk about data sometime. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that, Michael. In terms of the data... You talked about, mentioned earlier on smart meter data, smart thermostat data. I guess you don't get any magic data feeds that tell you the space in a customer's home. But can you give our listeners a bit of a vision for or view of how you might bring together smart meter data, smart thermostat data, other forms of customer engagement to help take customers on a journey? Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But this. Um, so this, yeah, this is definitely a, a passion project of mine in terms of I can hear in uh, your I can hear yeah. in your voice you're excited about yeah. it <laughs> yeah um so yeah so you mentioned there was there's there's data in lots of places and you one of the first things you actually said about you don't have floor area about buildings and that, in fact in the UK we actually have quite a good data set uh, the energy performance certificates yeah anytime someone sells or rents a home there's a fairly simple survey done on the home which does give you enough attributes to start understanding the building and the size so so you have got that and it gives you gives you a level of confidence on what might work um smart meter data is really interesting uh ovo actually have a, a product we we developed called green light and it starts trying to give you insights based on your your energy patterns um so can we spot if you're charging your electric heaters at night can we spot mm. um you know can we compare your home to similar homes so there's there's some really exciting things you can do with smart meter data. I think what we need to start doing, um, you know, as an industry, is using all these data, the data sets we have scattered around and pulling them together into easy to understand propositions. Um, so that if you take, for example, a home with um, which is fairly inefficient, you'll be able to notice their gas bills are a lot higher than. Uh, a similar sized home which is is efficient and that's a really important thing when it comes to putting heat pumps in so so i mean that's just one example of the kind of end-to-end -end data journey i believe we should get to one day 
sort of the pre-install, what happens when you're getting your heat pump put in, how you yeah. design that sizing. And there's some really good methods out there at the moment of sizing heat pump systems. But again, they might, they're quite survey heavy and they're, they're yeah. at risk of sometimes being inaccurate. And then finally is that's an installation. And once your heat pump is in, how does the end user actually know their system is performing efficiently? Uh, I think one of the big things I've taken away from people I've spoken to with heat pumps is that, that constant fear of bill shock. How do you get past yeah. that? That, that that concern and again data is something which can really bridge all those gaps in my mind um, how, but there's how, a lot to do how far yeah you said there's a lot to do how far away are we from that that journey that i can see is in your mind that you'd love to get to uh is it a several years is it a year roughly, um, or are we on that journey at the moment or are you on that journey at that moment i think we can and this is what over trying to tackle the kind of parts of that journey and sort of pick out yeah. So in my mind, if we can if we can work on that 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 scoping journey first, helping homes, helping people just understand if their home is something where a heat pump would work. To me, that's a really good starting point. The whole end to end journey, I'd say it's going to be iterative and probably over a few years. Um, yeah. So, and and something we can always learn from. That's the other thing. There, the more heat pumps we get put in. One of the things I reflect is my heat pump is in a house on a street. There's about 60 similar houses on this street. That information, that learning is actually something which other houses essentially could yeah. could replicate. And we, and we can sort of, so, so as we get more heat pumps put in, we're going to be able to ramp up this learning. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, um. <laughs> Rox, listening to the conversation so far, how similar or different do you see that is from other other energy retailers in other countries or do you see a lot of people going on the same sort of journey that you've, you've heard so far today? I think it's quite similar for other energy suppliers. I mean, we've had Enerco on the podcast before talking about the trial that they're doing with heat pumps and using them to offer comfort as a service. They're doing that new build so that they know ahead of time roughly what the demands are going to be for the heat pumps and then trying innovative things where it's a fixed monthly fee for the customer so that you get over that bull shock challenge and then in the background you've got Eneco uh, optimizing the operation of the heat pump in line with when they've got wind generating electricity so there's all sorts of interesting things like that that energy suppliers are trying to do with data and different ways that you can manage your risks as you're learning and come up with a proposition that's easier for the customer to get their head around. Okay, so that's encouraging in that there's that activity. Um, is it stepping back and thinking of the industry as a whole, Rox? Do you think it's happening fast enough? I mean, maybe this is as fast as it can happen, but uh, for the sort of targets and ambitions we have, uh, do you have any sort of thoughts on the speed or compared to where we need to get to? It could certainly go faster. I think there is a kind of risk of analysis paralysis in that you, you want to get tons and tons and tons of data before you're ready to launch a proposition and make a move. And uh, to some extent, there's just going to have to be some learning as we go along. Um, so yeah, it kind of goes both ways. It needs to happen faster and maybe a bit less in some cases. I think there was a really important point in Rox's example around new build versus pre-existing homes. And I think there's a 
there's a clear route to market on new build properties. Mm. You understand the building fabric, you understand the insulation levels, you understand the heating demand, um, and you can size that heat pump to, to that new build property and you can deploy at scale. I think what we're learning is um, retrofitting existing homes is, is a much bigger beast. Um, to Michael's example, 60 houses on, a, on, on his street, but what you could find is that they've all got varying degrees of glazing, insulation yeah. levels, leakiness. Um, of, so it could have a really, really efficient gas boiler in one home, but it's leaking it through the windows and the walls and the roof. Um, and so I think that's the, the really key thing we're trying to tackle is the educational piece up front around actually let's go from a fabric first approach and let's make sure that your home's really well insulated first and you've got double glazing and you're not losing the heat, the valuable heat that you're using yeah. in the home. And then that transition to a low carbon um, technology um, and specifically the heat pump, but also um it's not super easy to retrofit a heat pump where a gas boiler has been installed. So, no, we... and I'm, I'm thinking there's not, if you look at the big heat pump markets in Europe, they're either in new build largely or they're displacing oil. They're not displacing natural gas, they're displacing oil or other yeah. things. So, uh, I think to a degree, this is a bit of a generalization. A lot of Europe is on a learning journey with. Uh, moving heating from gas boilers to heat pumps. So coming back to the point I made at the beginning, we need to do it fast, but if you rush it and you have bad customer experiences, that's only going to slow us down in the long run. It, so, it is, and, and the industry, especially in the UK, can't afford that. So no. um, we, we need heat pumps to be working and running efficiently. And the yeah. last thing we want to do, especially as an energy supplier that I would imagine nobody wants this, is to install a heat pump and the running costs push people into, you know, fuel poverty, yeah. um, as yeah. an example, or, or, or bills that they just can't afford. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a really, really important part for us around getting it right at the front end. So we would rather use that test and learn for a little bit longer and make sure we've got the proposition where we want to 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 launch we know is right and we know is going yeah. to be the right thing for our members um, as opposed to rushing it and getting it wrong and pushing people towards fuel poverty. Well, we've got to that time in the podcast now where we'll look forward to bring out the Talking New Energy Crystal Ball. I'm going to set the dial this week to 2030, which feels like a long way away, but it's only eight years away. Uh, so I'd like to ask each of you, and very briefly, just in a sentence, to give our listeners a vision for uh, Alex and Michael, where you think OVO might be with heat pumps in 2030, and Rox, where you think we'll see energy su energy supplier activity with heat pumps in general by 2030. Um, Alex, do you want to go first, and then Michael, and then Rox? Uh, so uh, a brief, very brief vision for 2030. Oh, uh, 2030. I can tell you what I'd love. So I would Let's love Ovo, OVO to be a decarbonisation company that offer zero carbon living to our customers and non-customers, whereby we've got insulation fitted in customers' homes that's being heated by an air source heat pump 
that's being powered by solar PV and battery storage, that's got an EV on the driveway that's being used flexibly either through vehicle to grid or vehicle to home, um, that's being powered by our Calusa intelligent platform in the background and doing everything so the customer doesn't have to worry. That's where I would like be it. in 2030. Okay, and I guess doing that in a significant chunk of your four and a half million customers' homes. Oh, absolutely, and, and beyond. And beyond. Okay, thanks. Michael, how about you? Um, yeah, no, I'm not one who summarizes things in sentences that well. I tend to rant for longer. So summarizing, I would say that uh, I see uh, connectivity probably be the, the main part. We are bringing together, as, as Alex inferred, um, your heat pump to work with your home uh, and your, your, your EV so that you can charge. You, you can use your heat pump um if, if, if the grid constraints are bad at the time, you'll be able to charge directly off your car, um, the heat pump. So I, I can see this kind of connected. I feel like we're building a lot of the separate experiences at the moment, yep. but this truly connected smart grid of the future, I really hope by 2030, we'll be in a really strong position to, to offer that and, and, and reap all the benefits it brings. Yeah, Great vision. So do I hope that as well. Um, and Rox, how about you? Um, well, I can't speak on behalf of Ovo, but I would say for the market as a whole and the role that energies, energy suppliers will play in it, um, I suspect that energy suppliers will probably account for a greater proportion of heat pump installs than they do for gas boiler installs today. I think there's definitely an opportunity for energy suppliers to come in and um, have that customer-facing role to provide customers that confidence. Um, I think... By 2030, you'll have a couple really good market leaders who started moving now or earlier than now, and they are, are the market leaders in installing heat pumps. Um, I think there'll be a few that maybe try and fail. They'll have had the wrong strategies or they won't have been committed enough. Um, and then I think you'll also have your kind of laggards who in 2030 are late to the party and only just then starting to partner up with, with heat pump installers and try and get their business off the ground. But yeah, hopefully Ovo falls in the in the first category. Well, it's, uh, you said commitment. And I think what we've heard, uh, Michael and Alex, from both of you today is that commitment over a number of years and hopefully a lot more years to come to help customers decarbonize their homes through efficient heating systems. So um, thanks, uh, Michael, for joining. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Alex. That was a pleasure. And thanks again, Rox, for joining the podcast. Uh, it's been great having you share uh, about OVO and Roxy, your wider market experiences Um today and really really interesting to to get under the skin of what it's like for an energy retailer to be building a, a low carbon heating business so thanks very much for your time and thank you as always to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed the podcast and gained some new and interesting perspectives to take back to your activity in the energy transition and look forward to welcoming you all back to the episode next week thanks and goodbye if you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, 
then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.